Well, that was interesting. For those of you on the live stream, um, the sound didn't come right through how it should in the, in the house here, but I'm sure on the live stream you got a really good, you can tell us what he said. And um, just really what it is, is um, I just want you to know that uh, we're at this place, we've actually planted this little congregation in a place called Kompong, Kompong. And um, it's, am I doing the same thing? I'm a robot. <laughs> and we, they were walking four kilometres to get fresh water and back four kilometres to bring fresh water back to their village. When we heard about that, we said, let's do something about it. So from your giving, we actually sent finance across there and they now put a fresh water, you saw it on there, fresh water um, well right in the village there, which is great. But not only that, we've provided a power pack, which means that Uton and the church can go to villages and not have to worry about power. And we can actually have microphones and things happening, it's great. And Ben was saying there at their church on Friday night, we said, do I have a Zoom? And Ben and Theta and Minset and Jenny are all part of that. Uh, a lady from the Kompong, Kompong um, she actually testified about that, which is great. And I don't know if you've noticed, the, the young people are gathering as a youth group and it's just exploding and people are getting saved and it's just wonderful, they had a Christmas celebration at Maymont and nine people gave their hearts to the Lord. It's happening in Cambodia. It's amazing. It's great. Also, I just want to let you know, this Friday, what's happening this Friday, kids? Oh, there's only two of them here. Adults, what's happening this Friday? It's Christmas Eve and it's a wonderful, wonderful time of year. We're going to be having a carol service here. Usually we have a carol service on Christmas Eve in our mountains congregation, but they don't have a venue right now. Um, although they are meeting in the Baptist church this afternoon, which is great. Um, but at 7 p.m. this Friday night, why don't you come and join us and we're just gonna sing some carols for an hour. And we're gonna have a great time just worshipping our Saviour this Friday at 7 p.m. And then the following morning is Christmas morning. And at 9.30 in the morning, we're gonna be meeting here and we're gonna be having our traditional Christmas morning service. And we're gonna encourage the kids to bring along a present to show and to have a bit of a play with. It's a lot of fun. And um, that would be tremendous. And I want you to know on Boxing Day, Sunday the 26th, next Sunday, we won't be having an in-house service. We're gonna be doing a pre-record. I just want our team to have a, a week where they can just sit down and enjoy the service. So we're gonna pre-record a bunch of ladies bringing the Word of God. It's gonna be great. And um, so that'll be happening on Sunday, but there'll be nothing happening here. If you show up here, you might wanna grab a coffee from Josh and enjoy the live stream on your device. Is that cool? Well, not the live stream, the pre-recorded stream. Is that good? A couple of other things I just want to make you aware of. In January, Forever Free. This is a time where our young people, our teenagers and 20-somethings go away for a real spiritual retreat and it is life-changing for them. And our young people look forward to it all year. It's, over, it's at the beach up on the north coast there or central coast there. And they have a great time. And I want to just let you know about that church because maybe you'd say, I'd like to support that in some way. Well, it costs $100 per child and some of our young people can't afford that. And we'd love to see whether we can sponsor some of them. So if you're able to do that, can you just let the office know and just bring that in and, and allow them to say, hey, this is how many I wanna support. And we'll get as many kids as we can go to that because it is absolutely life-changing. And then there's young people I want you to know about Planet Boom. It's gonna be the week, last week of uh, January, I think it is down at Sutherland Shire, a powerful time where the Holy Ghost just 
rips it apart. Just speaking in their language, okay? Rips it apart. Is that, oh no, that'll do. So it'll be great. So that's what I wanted to let you know about. Is that cool? Well, I am looking forward to Christmas. It's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. I actually love this time of year. Thank you, musicians. Beautiful time of worship. I love this time of year. It's, uh, what's not to love about this time of year? Beautiful weather. It's great. The world is actually singing and talking and portraying Jesus Christ all throughout the world. His name's getting famous all the time. I think it's amazing. We hear, we sing about him. His name even comes out in places where you think, you actually said the name of Jesus. I can't believe that. That's great. But it's not only that. You've got that beautiful week between Christmas and New Year's. I just love that week where you don't really make plans for anything except maybe wearing bigger pants or something. <laughs> and then you've got January where, you know, you've got cricket, you've got test cricket, you've got big bash, you've got the sun, you've got the surf, you've got friends, you've got late sun going down late. It's awesome. You've got lots of honey coming into the hives. What's not to love? That's incredible, right? I love it. And um, I, I think it's the most amazing season. And I pray this season would be the greatest season for you. Every person. Because it's been a tough year. It's been an interesting year. I remember standing up at the end of 2020, relieved that 2020 was over. And thinking, I can't wait for 2021. And 2021 sort of was like its, it's evil twin. <laughs> Came along and... And here I am, I'm, I'm wishing the best for us and I'm wishing the best for you and your family. And, but it's not so much hoping for a better year because we really don't know. I don't want my, my moments to be determined or my feelings to be determined about what could be next year. You know, it, it could be worse, who knows? It could come our way. What I'm excited about is what we can offer 2022. I'm excited for what God might do in a time of crisis. It's an apocalyptic time. I think I got it right. Apocalyptic. Apocalyptic time. It's, a, it's an incredible time. And the more and more I pray about this, I don't feel God changing much, but I do feel him poking his church, saying, this is your moment. This is your time. And I think he wants to do incredible things. So I'm excited. I pray for you that 2022 would be the incredible moment where you are going to see the hand of God move in your life, in your family's life, and every person you encounter. And that's what's been burdening on my heart more than ever about that whole thing. Last week I spoke a message which I believe God gave me and it was really along the lines of Strong Nation Church, I've asked you to take the lead. And I don't think it's lead as in the way the world sees leadership, where you do what I tell you to do. No, I don't think that's it. I think God's asking us as a church to take the lead in our practice that many others would want to follow. I think we've, we're God's setting up in his church a method of church, a style of church, this new church, this new me, that's our theme at the moment. And I shared that I believe God's prompting us to take the lead. It will not be easy. It will not be all fun, but it'll be powerful. Someone has to do it first. Someone has to take the first steps. 
And I'm bold enough to say God's actually asked Strong Nation Church to do this. So I'm wondering whether, will you join me? Most incredible journey. I think it's gonna be comfortable. You know, you can get a comfortable ride. They're all right, but sometimes it's more the, you know, the roller coaster rather than the merry-go-round, you know? I think I'd rather have that. I want us to learn how to lead like Jesus led. I want us to be a church that represents his leadership. The sort that would get down and wash someone's feet and say, do likely to someone else, will you? That's the sort of leadership I think we're gonna be bringing. I read up, last week I read out the scripture, Revelation 20, sorry, 12, 11. I, I finished on this. It's talking about the future, but it's written like history. It's talking about, I think, the church. It says, they overcame him, the evil one, the enemy, the principalities and powers. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Wow, we are righteous through the blood of the lamb. We are holy. It's what he's done, not what we've done, right? And by the word of our testimony, our word got out there. The church's words got spoken. Miracles happened. Wow, how good is God was what you could hear in the streets through the word of their testimony. And this last sentence, and they did not love their lives even to death. I think that's an amazing little phrase. They did not love their lives even to the point of death. Someone did that. Someone got the job done because we read in Revelations that every tribe, nation and tongue gathered many more than could ever be counted. You've seen a Reinhard Bonnke video? Well, they could be counted. Bigger than that. Of every tribe, nation and tongue worshipping, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lamb of God. Wow, it gets done. The job gets done. And these are the guys who did it. Wow. Could this be talking about us? Could he have written about us, our generation? Or maybe even it's the generations that are to come after us. Maybe he's talking about them and and someone set up a pathway that they could go on. A way of living, a way of being this new church on planet earth. Someone set that up so the generations after them knew how to do it knew how to walk this journey so that the world would be changed. So that he would see people come into his kingdom, every tribe, nation and tongue. And more than can be counted, gathered together on that day. I'm looking forward to that day. Right now we're in that huge time in history, we really are. And when I think God's asked us to lead, I think he's asking us to set up generations so that they will follow suit. Someone has to set the pathway. I think that's what God's asked us to do. You know, as Christians, we find peace. I'll preach this this year, you know. When we're walking in his kingdom, that's where peace dwells. It's in his kingdom. Because he's the prince of peace, right? He's our ruler. You come under his rulership, he's the prince of peace. It's when you are walking in this kingdom, that that's when favour, you, you see the favour on your life. And you think, wow, I must be lucky. No, 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 you're just favoured because you've placed yourself in the right place under God's covering. That's where all God's blessings, where God, you know, when in a time of, you know, time of tragedy, you can actually be standing rock firm because you're in the kingdom. 
But the thing is, I don't think that's the end game. Yes, in the kingdom we get all that, but that's not the end game. The end game is though that those who don't have that can have it. That's the end game. That those who are outside the kingdom would see the kingdom and enter into it. That's the end game. And I think the Western church has thought for me to live in favour of God is the end game. No, it's not. It's the beginning of the game. And what we want to see is everyone who doesn't have that peace, doesn't have that favour, doesn't have that joy, finds it. That's the game of the church. And as we read in Revelations, that's what happened. And I believe God's actually asked us to be that. And I've been speaking about this new church, this new me, and this is the final part of this series. This new church, this new me, this is what this new church looks like. This is what this new Christian, this me, this you, this is what it looks like. This is how we journey this. But I wanna ask you this question is, what does it take to become that? It's not as if we just sit there, it's proven. The church doesn't just sit there and just morph into that. It requires a group of people to say, no, we've got intent. This is what God's asked us to do. We'll stand up and we'll take the lead. That's what we'll do. I'm not sure whether I shared this. I remember a movie called Memphis Bell. Ever seen Memphis Bell? It's an adaptation of a very true story of World War II, these bombing crew. And um, they did 25 straight missions. And apparently after 25 straight missions, you get to go home. And this was their 25th mission. And it was dramatised, of course, for TV. But what it was, they were just part of the bombing fleet. I think they called a fleet of bombers and they were going to bomb some very um, important sites. And the, the lead plane was calling all the shots because the lead plane has to land the bombs in the right place, otherwise everyone else will get it in the wrong place if they do. You got to, the lead plane is so important. Anyway, the lead plane got taken out and Memphis Bell got the call, you're now the lead. You're now the lead. Land the bombs in the right place. If they don't, Everyone gets it wrong. And I believe that's why God's asked us to take the lead so that we can drop the love bombs in the right place at the right time so that those who follow us will get it right as well. Or maybe we get to usher in the coming of the Lord. So what does it take to become that church? Well, I just wanna share a few thoughts with you. And it's a bit of a challenge, so keep smiling so you still love Rick. If you don't love me, you don't get to go to heaven. True? Just joking, it's not good theology. So what does it take? The first thing to become that church, what does it take? An understanding of Christ's mission. So easy to forget Christ's mission. He has a mission. He came to planet Earth for a particular reason. We're about to celebrate him coming to Earth. This occasion that divided the calendar in two. It came for a very important mission. One day Jesus was walking along and a tax collector was watching what was happening and he was a short guy and he couldn't see because of the crowd so he climbed a sycamore tree. His name was Zacchaeus. No one liked him because they kept elbowing him out of the road because he took their money unfairly. He robbed them. But he wanted to know more about Jesus. And Jesus underneath the tree looks up and can you imagine what I was thinking? Oh no, now I'm in trouble. I just wanted to see him. I didn't want to talk to him, you know. 
She says, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your place for dinner. Oh, now I'm really in trouble. We don't really know what happened at dinner. But all of a sudden, Zacchaeus stands up around the table and says, that's it. Everything I have, I'm going to give half it to the poor. In fact, if I've robbed anyone, I'm going to give them back four times as much. Something changed in Zacchaeus' life. But the religious people of the day criticised Jesus for eating with a tax collector. That's interesting, isn't it? Oh, look at him, he's too radical. Too crazy, what's he doing? What happened was, Jesus turned around and he made this statement in Luke chapter 19. You've forgotten something, people. That's what he said. He didn't say that, but this is what he's implying. You've forgotten something. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's his mission statement. I've come to seek and save that which were lost. And I think that's because of the criticism, the religious people who should have known better, should have known the heart of God. They should have known what the Father's passion was. He said, don't you, you've forgotten it. My plan, my mission is for one thing and one thing is to save and seek, seek and save those who are lost. Yeah. That's it. He did lots of miracles, yeah, that's great. I'm glad he did that, still does. He did brilliant teaching. I'm, we still learn from the word of God, but that wasn't his mission. You do know that everybody he healed eventually died. You know that. It's not the end game. Everyone he rose from the grave died again. That's not the end game. The end game was that lost people would be found. That they would find the kingdom. In fact, John actually says this. Oh, he records Jesus saying this. I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Jesus was on that mission. He had, the Bible actually says his face was cast like flint towards Jerusalem. Why? Because that's when the salvation became available. He came to die so that we could live. The lost could live. So what does the Father really want? Peter actually says it, 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slow to fulfil his promises, as someone counts slowness, but is patience towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Remember the word repentance means change your mind, change direction, that everyone would change, that everyone heading the wrong way would turn around and head the right way. It's God's will that none would perish, not one. The big question is, is that what a church understands? Does that grip our heart? Is God's will my will? Lord, have I grown a bit old on that one and bit worn on that one because you know it doesn't pump my heart as much as it used to you know remember pastor jack saying to me you would have heard this story over the years i was just a young youth pastor and pretty keen to get in the ministry and i remember pastor jack turning around to me one saying ricky i know we have a ricky you don't need to okay don't call me ricky if you want to preach in my pulpit you've got to have a passion for lost people you've got to have a broken heart for them I've got to tell you, when was the last time your heart was broken for someone who was lost? Anyway, after that statement, I thought, yeah, I'm concerned about that. But I wasn't broken for it. I knew it. I had a mental assent towards it, but I wasn't broken for it. So I started praying. I said, God, what is this? Could you show me what it is? 
And I never forget where I was. I was driving down Castle Ray Street near the RSL in Penrith in my old little, you know, red car at that stage. And I remember looking over and there was a family of five. There was a mum, dad, two kids on a pram and a little toddler walking beside them. I know the image just there. And God just let me know his heart. It's like he just poured it into me. And I looked at them and they're lost. They're going to hell. They have no future in eternity at all. And I began to weep, I had to pull over. And it's like this supernatural implant came into my heart that changed everything. I just didn't have an ascent, a mental ascent about them anymore. I had God's burden for it. And I think his church should have his burden for it, understanding what Christ's mission really was. And the church can't forget that. Yeah, we'll have celebration times and worship times and great teaching and all that, absolutely. But we cannot forget why he came. That's his mission. It's something that must burden us because people are perishing. In the Western world, we see people happy, smiling with so much stuff and what the world would call fulfilment. What we've got to understand is unless Jesus Christ is their saviour, they are perishing. Remember a businessman talking once and he said, don't forget the up and ins. What does that mean? He said, you know, you help the down and outs, but us up and ins are dying too. We might have it all together, but we really don't have it all together. We may have the riches and the cars and the boats, and, but we don't have it all together. We need salvation. God does not discriminate. I love feeding the poor. I love doing what we do. I love helping those who are struggling right now. Absolutely, and we will never stop doing that. But there's a bigger game than that. Their souls are much more important than their tummies. Why? Because that's Christ's mission. We'll do it all. We don't stop doing that. We will be kind. But you know what? You You don't even need to know Jesus to do that. There's a lot of organisations who don't even consider Christ real, who do all that. The one difference we have is Christ's mission, to come and seek and save that which we're lost. And when we've got a broken heart for that, what comes to mind is this, real friends don't let friends go to hell. Real friends don't let friends miss out on the right side of eternity. Real friends wanna show the true gift that they've received so that they might receive it too. The church has got to remember this. We've got to remember his mission. It's why he created the church. It's why Pentecost came. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes against you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. This is why you're getting it, to be my witnesses. It's interesting. The word witness there is in the Greek is martia, where we get the word martyr from. They laid down their lives. That's why the power came, so you're able to do it. Lay down your agenda, getting ahead of myself here, but making his plan the main plan. That's what it's about. Jesus said to his church, go into all the world, those following him. Go into all the world, go, come on. This is my mission. Would you take my mission on? Would you, I've, I've spent these three years on planet Earth ministering 
so that you could see the mission. Would you transfer it to the generations? And it went from generation to generation to generation to generation and all the way to a point where we're sitting here today as part of that generation. Because someone said, I've got to carry the mission. To carry it, you've got to first remember the mission. Can you see what the Lord's mission is? If not, can I ask you to spend the next few weeks praying like I did those times? God, would you break my heart for those that are lost? Would you let me see your heart? Let your, we sing it in a song, let your heart be mine. Oh, that's a bold prayer. Because he will break your heart. He will break it. You'll see someone and all of a sudden you'll see how he sees them. And it'll crack. Well, good on you, if that's you. So what else does it take? It takes someone to understand Christ's mission. What else does it take to become this new church, this new me? What does it take? It takes a life of kingdom priority. Making his kingdom a priority in your life. You know, it's sort of been fed through the vernacular of church life in the Western world to make going to church a priority. Well, I'm the pastor who says, no, that's not a priority anymore. That's not a priority. We've made it available because you can look on the live stream now. It's not about going to church. It's about being the church. We've said that several times, right? But what is a priority is his kingdom. This is just a very, very tiny, small snippet of his kingdom. When the church comes together to worship, it's a very, very small part of the kingdom. I love it. I want, I want it all the time. It's beautiful. I love worshipping. The more people, the better. Great songs. But the priority is not that. The priority is his kingdom. Once you know what God wants, it's about making sure that what he wants is high priority in your life. Very, very, Jesus put it this way. You've been given a light. Don't hide it. People want to see it. All the Bible's version says, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to make it a priority. What light has been placed into my heart can't be hidden now. I'm going to be that city on a hill that can't be hidden. I'm going to make it a priority. And no matter what pathway I'm on in life, maybe he's asked you to be this person doing this, a young family, raising kids right now, doesn't mean the kingdom drops into priority. Maybe you've hit the years where, you know, your nest is getting emptier and you're sitting there thinking, wait, we've got a bit more time on our hands. Maybe we can travel. Good on you. That's awesome. Wonderful, but don't let the kingdom priority slip below first. You can do all that, just keep the kingdom there. It's about the kingdom. The kingdom must expand, people must hear about it, people must see it, the light must shine. Don't hide it under a bushel, don't hide it under a lampstand, Jesus said. Make sure it gets out there. It's a challenge to make his mission a priority in your life, especially in our time. It really is a challenge. Where there's so many things fighting for your priorities. So many things. There's so many things I could take into priority, I'm thinking. 
So many. It's a fight to keep the kingdom at a priority, it really is. Jesus is telling a parable one day, teaching his disciples about the kingdom of God. He says, like someone who threw seeds. Some of those seeds landed on a hard ground, a path. Some landed on rocky ground, rocks just under the surface. Some landed amongst thorns and some landed in good soil. So the ones on the rocks, you know, the, oh, sorry, the path, just got taken by the birds. Never really took root. So the word of God, which is what the seeds are, took no root. Might as well have not even thrown it there. The one that went into the rocky soil, it, it got excited. It was really cool. Yes, this is awesome. I've got that word in my heart. God's gonna use me, yay. And the roots go down a little bit, but then the sun comes, because the roots can't go real deep. The sun comes, the pressure gets on, the heat comes, and it shrivels up and dies. No fruit. And the one that fell, and this is what I wanna concentrate on, the one that fell amongst the thorns. Started growing and it was really looking good, but then the thorns strangled it and killed it. No fruit. And Jesus said this when he's explaining what that meant. Um, first of all, he talked about the good soil. What happens in good soil? It says Matthew 13, 23. But the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word of God and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160, 30 times what is sown. Pretty fruitful, right? But the verse before that explains the, the, the thorny, the one that grew up amongst the thorns. He said, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word of God, gets excited. Yes, God wants to use me in this area. But the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. This is my interpretation of this. Someone receives God's passion. Yes, God saved me, it's awesome. I've got his word in my heart. He wants to use my life. And they're genuine about that. I want fruit in my life, Christian fruit. Seek and save that which you lost. I wanna see the lost come to see Christ as their saviour. 60, 100, 30 fold, just want fruit. But the cares of this world, the worries of this world, the deceitfulness of wealth, which the Western world is famous for, the deceitfulness of wealth, strangle it and stop it from producing any fruit. God designed you to have fruit. He says that I've appointed you, chosen you and appointed you. You didn't choose Christ, he chose you. I've chosen you and appointed you that you would bear fruit and fruit that would remain. John 15, 16, I think it is. But the things of this world, the cares of this world, the worries of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, I don't even say the pursuit of riches, strangle you. And we've got really good at justifying all this stuff and oh, I'm doing it for the kingdom. You really? Are you doing it for Christ's important mission? The important mission. Oh yeah, but you know, I've got to do this, you know, I've got to, I've got to make sure my family's able to do all this and that and this and that. Since when has you've taken God's job of providing and made it yours? He's Jehovah Jireh. He's the provider. Jesus said, seek my kingdom and all these things will be given unto you anyway, Christian. We justify it and it's not out of a bad heart. It's just that those thorns 
just start weaving themselves around you more and more. And all of a sudden, they strangle you because the kingdom is no longer that priority. All of a sudden, impressing the boss is much more important than spreading the kingdom, doing what's right. All of a sudden, my education is more important than see God's kingdom spread. Since when has that been more important than what God wants you to do? Use the education to spread his kingdom. Hear me? The Western world, we've got so many voices calling for our priorities. This has got to become our priority. If I were the devil, there'd be two things I would tell you. One, there's plenty of time. You've got plenty of time, it's all right. Two, I'd be saying to you, hey, look at this over here, look at that over there, and I would distract you. Anything to take his kingdom out of your priorities. Anything. I would make you rich. I would make you whatever you could be famous. I would give you all the joys and pleasures of life so you would be distracted by them. Now don't get me wrong. I'm not saying everyone sell everything you've got unless God tells you to. I like to have things. I like to have stuff. I think God likes to have stuff too. It's when the stuff has us. It's when the enjoyment has us. It's when the extracurricular has us. It's when my business has me. You have a business. It doesn't have you. Allow that business to glorify God. I've even seen people with really good nature make their family much more of a God. Now, you're not gonna find anyone who loves family more than me. Oh my goodness. I would die for my family. What you do is, it's about revolving your family around the kingdom. It's about pointing to your kids, look at the kingdom. We do this for the kingdom. This is for the kingdom's sake. This is how we raise a generation that'll change the world. Because our kids are awesome. Your kids are amazing. But if we don't make kingdom priority, it'll never be theirs. In fact, it'll probably be less of a priority because we've put other priorities into their hearts. But you come back to the grassroots, it's all about the kingdom. You see, like I said before, we've made it into coming to church and we can even get into the rut if I bring my kids to church, it's enough. No, it's not. Nowhere near enough. Going to church is about being in the kingdom. The kingdom's the main thing. Christ is our King, Christ is our Lord. Son, we don't talk like that because that's not Jesus-like. Bring it around to the kingdom. We don't act like that because that's not what Jesus wants. Bring it back into about the kingdom. It's not about, oh, dad's unhappy about this. No, it's about the father's not happy about this. Hear me? It's about the kingdom. What, what, What priority in your life is serving the Lord? Is it tops? You've heard me say about my kids, at their 18th and their 21st, I'll remind them. There's two things I ask of them, just two. I don't care what they do in the way of their education, really. Their job, I wanna give them every opportunities, but not at the sacrifice of what's important. Two things I require of them, I ask of them. That you serve the Lord for the rest of your life. I don't care how they serve him. They just serve him. 
And then they do all they can to get their kids to heaven. Because I don't want to miss any of my grandkids in heaven. Great grandkids, great, 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 great grandkids. I want to see them. That's all. I don't really care what else they do. I don't care where they live. I don't care how they live as long as serve the Lord the rest of your life and get your kids to heaven. Put the kingdom as a priority. This church that got it done had to have made it their priority. And before you think I'm saying, oh, you know, just we're all going to be poor and just walk around undereducated, teeth hanging out. No, not at all. Because my Saviour said, if you do this, if you do this, I'll give it all to you. I'll have it all. Your family's a testimony of this. I've seen you sacrifice so much for the kingdom, Andrew and Susan. So much. Inspiration to me, someone I'm mentoring my life under because of what they've done. But yet I look at your life and it is so blessed. Although I'm going to have more grandkids than you. Chasing you down, brother. The man's a famous man. I look at this life and I think, mate, what a blessed life. But if you look in the world's perspective, you shouldn't be blessed. You, you gave too much to the kingdom. You gave up too much. You gave too much time listening to people who needed someone to listen to them. You gave too much away. But yet you're rich as in everything. That's the kingdom, people. That's the kingdom. Better keep them. Oh, 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 oh. I was going to finish before 11, sorry. <laughs> what does it take? It takes to know his mission and to make that mission a priority in your life. The third thing it takes is a willingness to engage. Doesn't matter how much power you have unless you use it, it's not powerful at all. You know? This is what makes my palm sweaty. This is what really, ah, you might not believe this if you don't know me, but I'm actually an introvert. Doing what I'm doing right now, I've had to work really hard at doing this. And um, not a great reader, I'm not a great orator, I've had to work really hard at it. It's just, I just say, hats off to you, God, you just baffle me, baffle the world. But for me to engage, it is tough. And I suspect that most people, it is tough. This is where the rubber hits the road and you go, ooh, ah, wow. But it's got to be done. I wouldn't do it unless it was for the kingdom. It's about lifting up your eyes, as Jesus said in, in John chapter 4, he just met with the Samaritan woman, which would have been really awkward. A Samaritan and a Jew, they hate each other. As a woman, and a man just not done in that time. She was there in the middle of the day. Why? Because she was a woman who didn't have a great a woman who didn't have a great reputation, so no one other woman would want to be seen with her. And there's Jesus, our Saviour, saying, Hi, how are you, honey? Awkward as. Jesus would have known all this. By the end of a conversation, she's saying, I've met the Messiah. Come and see the man who's changed my life. And a whole town comes to Christ. Wow. How did it happen? He went into the awkward. He engaged. He went out of his little comfort zone, which I love the comfort zone. As you can tell, I'm built for comfort. 
I love the comfort zone. But there's a time when you've got to step out of that comfort zone and say, I'm going to have to be relying on, relying on God right now. I think that's where it's awesome. I think that's where he does his best work is when you step out of that comfort zone and say, hey, I'm going to give it a shot. The zone of the unknown. How you doing, Omri? Bill Hybels tells a great story. He met this African-American man who had a very Muslim name. And um, Bill's a very nice guy. He's not going to think any ill of that. Until this guy says, I love your books. And he must have been taken back because he's a Christian writer, right? And a Muslim saying, I love your books. And his face must have been one of shock because the guy says, ah, I can understand why you might be a little bit shocked. Let me tell you a story. You see, this African-American man, he says, I'm a businessman and I live in the South of America. I'm black and I'm a Muslim. I find it hard to connect with a lot of people. He said, but I run a business and my business is one where we actually have to have many cocktail parties and dinners and business meetings really, but it's just really social networking and, and um, I go along to these, but I'm very uncomfortable. And usually I'll be there just long enough to do what I need to do and I'll just get out of there because I'm usually left on my own on these places because of who I am. I, I get it, he says. But one day I was there just on my own and people were gathering in their groups all around the place. And then I see one fellow look at me, he catches my eye, and then you can tell that he's actually excusing himself and he walked across the room to meet me. He put out his hand, told me his name, I told him mine, and he said, it was just an amazing exchange. He asked me about my business and my family and the conversation was really easy. And this guy, finally we got on to faith. And I said, look, I'm, I'm a Muslim man. And the guy says, do you know what? I know next to nothing about Islam and I'd like to know more. Do you mind if we have a breakfast next week? I'd like to ask you about it. So they did. He says, for the next three, four, five weeks, we had breakfast and I'd tell him all I know, how I chose to follow Islam. And this guy was such a good listener. I finally said, so what do you believe? He says, oh, I'm a follower of Christ. You are? Yeah, I've made a decision to do that. And he said, because this guy was such a good listener, I wanted to know more about his faith. So I asked him. And he started telling me about this Jesus that I'd never really understood. Incredible perspective on it all. And it was so good that over the next three or four weeks, I'm really contemplating that Christianity is a much more superior religion. So I asked Christ to come into my life. And I started this journey of getting to know him. And today I'm in a church, I'm actually leading in a leadership team, serving all my kids are Christians, my wife's a beautiful Christian lady now. All because this guy got out of the comfortable circle into the zone of the unknown and said, hi, I'm Gary. All because of that. I listened to that story and I thought, wow, that's not hard. I can do that. Even introvert Rick. See, when I'm at a party, people think I'm a snob. I'm not. I'm actually really shy. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk to everyone. It doesn't refresh me at all. 
It actually wears me out. But I can't use that as an excuse. So I've decided I wanna be the guy who walks across the room into the zone of the unknown, relying on God. I don't know what the conversation's gonna be like. I don't know what he's gonna ask or she's gonna ask. I don't know how awkward it's gonna be, but the kingdom has to spread somehow. He's asked me not to hide my light. That's where the power of God is active. You see, it's not our job to get the conversion. That's God's job, Holy Spirit's job. It's not our job at all. We, we don't become, you know, critical zealots who try and preach at everyone. That's not our role. In fact, ugh, who wants to do that? I don't want to hang out with that guy. I don't want to become who's right and who's wrong zealot. Islam, it's all wrong. That guy didn't do it. All he did was listen. Strong enough Christian to know Jesus loves this guy and is calling this guy into his kingdom. I just have to be around for it. Last night, Naomi and I were at a wedding up on the central coast. Um, Naomi's niece was getting married and I'm in this place and I know what I'm preaching today. So I'm sort of thinking on the way up there, because the cricket hadn't started yet, so I'm not listening to the cricket. I said, God, if there's an opportunity, I want to be bold enough because it's a big thing for me to meet a stranger. Say, hey, I'm Rick. You might think that's crazy, but it's very true. Anyway, I see a guy in the foyer. I thought, he looks like a nice guy. He's a bit older than me, maybe. Maybe I'm joking with myself. Maybe he's my age. And um, yeah, nice guy. Just noted that. Maybe it was God just prompting me on something. I don't know. Find my seat. Rick. Got a little thing called Rick on there, which is great. It's me. No K. And I noticed opposite me is Nick with no K. Cool. Don't know if it's male or female. This guy that I noticed in the foyer sits down. His name's Nick. God made it easy for me to have to walk across a room. But what do I talk about? Oh my goodness. This is awkward. Oh no. Ah. Nick, I'm Rick. Both of us without a K. Pleased to meet you, mate. Start a conversation. Do you know what? Found out he lives in North Richmond. He says, so what do you do? Told him. He said, oh, which church? What denomination? Pentecostal. Ah, so what do you believe? I didn't even have to prompt anything. Just talking to him about it. How's the church going through lockdown? Told him, I think it's going really well. I think God's really doing something in Christians' lives where Christians are really looking after their own Christianity the way that God intended, you know? And um, he said, that's really good. Had a great conversation with him. Yeah, you know, at the end of it, walking out, I talked to him about my honeymead too. He says, if I come to church, will you give me a bottle of honeymead? I don't know where that's going to end, but it wasn't all. Naomi has a nephew, his name's... Oh, it's just slipping. Jake. And um, Jake, if you're watching, good to see you, mate. It's so great chatting with you last night. He watches every now and then, he's telling me. Again, shy. Cricket had just started, by the way, and I'm watching this course, just letting you know. And, uh, and um, actually, Jake's mum says, hey, Jake hasn't seen you yet. Oh, okay. Thanks, God. <laughs> I'll walk over to Jake. How are you? Met his new wife. They just eloped a few weeks ago. Eloped. So that's bold. Had a great chat. I just 
started connecting with this young man, good young man, good young woman, in such an amazing way, just talking, they start bringing up, oh, how's church going, how's this going? Oh, tell me what you think about Stephen Furtick. Oh, yeah, this, 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 this. Wow, yeah, we've watched him a bit. In fact, we've watched you too. Okay, cool, great. And I've realized that God has been beautifully transforming these two young lives. And I don't know why I'm in his life, but maybe I can help with that. Anyway, he wants to come down and say good day and see the bees and stuff like that. I say all that to say this. I don't know whether it was the fact that we're given the palms of hiding in the cricket or not, but I felt so good walking out of there that night, last night. Usually I'm wasted. Usually I go to party and walk out, drive home and, you know, sleeping, falling asleep. No, I was feeling good. Great. I went to bed smiling. Why? I don't know. All I know that I had a couple of encounters, which maybe God had something to do with. I don't know. But God did something because I walked across a room or reached across a table. And I'm wondering, church, could we do this? We are entering into the season for this. Could we have our radars up and look for an opportunity and step out of our comfort circles? Christians are renowned for this. We're in public setting, being in our comfort circles because it's comfortable and we can talk our Christianese. But that's not gonna grow the kingdom. That's not gonna do anything for Jesus. Oh, maybe they'll see our halos or something. Yeah, around your neck. Could we just excuse ourselves, see someone and walk across that room, that field, that aisle, that living area, that deck and say, hi, how are you? My name's Rick. How are you doing? Enjoying tonight? Just tell me, what do you do? And just get to know them and let Jesus do the rest. Because it's not our job to do any more than that. Let your light shine. In my instance, last night, they asked me the questions which I would love to tell them. Isn't it beautiful? Could we do that, church? Because, oh no, I just feel like Jesus might want that. Jesus actually said in John chapter 4, when he went with that Samaritan woman, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his works. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, he said, I tell you, lift up your eyes. Lift them up, Christian, follower of Christ, who understands who God is and the passionate, and you've made it a priority, now it's time to engage. Lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. I said this last week, you know, eyes are so important, you will always follow where your eyes go. You always will. If you put your eyes over here, you can't help but go there. In sport, cricket, eyes are so important, you've got to have your eyes in the right place. Golf, same thing, you've got to have your eyes above the ball. Eyes are everything. Where you want it to go. If you want to hit the golf ball, you have your eye on the ball. Otherwise, you're going to miss it nine times out of ten. Wherever you lift your eyes to is where you'll head. 
when you're in a crowded room, maybe it's time to lift your eyes and say, God, anyone you'd like me to meet today? My heart's gonna be pumping out of my chest. I'm gonna have sweaty palms, so I'm gonna have to dry them before I put it out to shake. But I'm gonna do it. Why? Because I made it a priority, the kingdom. It's a priority to me. I'm not gonna be a zealot who's gonna tell them they're sinners. We're all sinners. Holy Spirit's job is to do that. I'm just gonna walk across the room because I understand it and also I know it's his mission. So today, my challenge to you, church over this summer break, give it a go. Give it a go. This Friday night, Saturday morning, we're gonna be celebrating the coming of the Saviour. It's gonna be great. What a great time to remember why he came. And in Australia, everyone goes to sleep pretty well on the 24th of December and wakes up on the 26th of January, 27th actually. In that slumbering, waking and waking, sleeping and all that sort of stuff, you can have plenty of interactions. Who knows? Maybe there's a work colleague who needs you to say, hey, can we just chat about something other than work right now? How are you doing? How's life? Maybe there's someone you go to school with and maybe it's time to talk about other things than just other students and just say, hey, what do you got planned for next year? And chat with them. Who knows what God might do? Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I thank you right now that you are working on us. And Lord, whatever you're doing, don't do it without us, Strong Nation Church. Would you take us, us on the most incredible journey of your mission? Would you open up some divine appointments this next two or three months? Would you just place us in places, Lord, where we're able to shine your light, where we're able to speak your your joy and your peace and your favour over people. Would you help us to do that? As the pastor of this church, Lord, I ask you, Lord God, to help us engage. Help us understand the priorities of what you want us to live. And Lord, help us to know what your, your mission really is. And as we do that, we know that you are with us because you said that. Go into all the world, preach the good news, or I think show it. And I will be with you to the end of the age. You know, as I'm praying this prayer, church, I just feel prophetically. You feel turmoil all around you. Someone, whether it's on live stream or it's here, you feel turmoil all around you and you're thinking, how could I do this? And I believe the Lord would say to you, mate, honey, either of you, that is the key to overcoming the turmoil. Is what I've spoken about today, that's the key. Oh, I've got these issues around me. I don't think I could do it. No, 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 no. What I've spoken about today is the, is the solution to it. It's the answer to it. Seek His kingdom. Make it a priority, his mission. And then begin to engage. And I believe the joy unspeakable will come into your heart like never before. And you will see the, the, 
the turmoil around you begin to fade. And I see like principalities and powers and demons shrinking away from you because of what you're doing. And the light on you is too bright. And I see them saying, no, we can't help this person. We can't, we can't turmoil this person anymore. All because you understood something. You understood His mission. You made it a priority in your life and you engaged. Now, Holy Spirit, I believe you wanted me to say that. Would you just add faith into that person's heart right now? Incredible faith. You're the author and finisher of our faith. Would you just give them faith for that? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So church, you're going to join me. Next time you get an opportunity, you're going to walk across the room. Who knows what might happen, eh? Could be amazing. Anyway, God bless you. Farewell to everyone online. Farewell to everyone in the room. Don't forget, Friday night, 7 p.m. right here, we're going to be having a carol service. We're just going to be enjoying it and maybe even remembering again why Jesus came. Then Friday, uh, Saturday morning, Christmas morning, 9.30 here. I'm going to be sharing a word. We're going to be singing carols. Kids are going to be showing off presents. And we're going to be having a great celebration on Christmas morning. And remember Boxing Day, there'll be no in-house service. We'll just be putting something on the stream so you can actually do church as well. Amen. God bless you. Have a fantastic day. Remember, the service is over, but church continues.